Rumkey is hiring CDL drivers age 19 and up, and drivers are paid based on experience. Rumkey CDL drivers earn $1,000 to $1,300 per week and more than $10,000 in bonuses possible in their first year. Rumkey drivers are home daily, work in a recession-resistant industry, receive great benefits and performance incentives. Start a lucrative career and apply now at rumkeycareers.com. Equal opportunity employer restrictions apply. From coast to coast, border to border, and around the world, you're going online with Bill Alexander. Laugh and learn while you listen to a brilliant display of radio. Online, online. with Bill Alexander. Bill Alexander. Good day, everyone. Yours truly, William Eric Alexander. All my friends call me Bill, and you're online with Bill Alexander here in our flagship station, WMCK.FM, McKeesport, 107.5 FM, WLDJ, Newcastle, HOFMRadio.com, 1620 AM, Huntington Community Radio, Huntington, PA, Mixtape International Radio at MTRI.CO.UK, Awakens.EU, Steel FM at SteelFM.org, Radio Rehoboth, Rehoboth, Delaware, Orca Radio, orcaradio.coffeecup.com, Owensburg, Kentucky, Parkway 106, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, at parkway106.com, and of course, we're streaming live at italknet.com in Brownsville, Pennsylvania. And tonight is going to be a very interesting show because it's very timely with this uh, upcoming election. And one thing that um, I've noticed in the... uh, guest that we have on the program tonight has noticed too is that a lot of people don't understand about how the whole election process works not only that but why it's important to vote on the phone line right now we have do i call you citizen cupcake or do i call you lisa ann fontana (laughs) <laughs> you are welcome to call me Lisa Ann or Citizen Cupcakes. It depends on where we are in the relationship. Okay, Usually okay. I get a Citizen Cupcakes when I break out the cupcakes. Gotcha. So, uh, Lisa Ann, give my audience a little bit of background of who you are. Uh, wonderful. Hi, everybody. So, my name is Lisa Ann, and who I am is somebody who never voted before. So I was 35 years old before I cast my first vote. And it's always fun for me to say that now because at the beginning, it was incredibly challenging to admit to all the voters of the world that I uh, was this apathetic, howl at the moon, stupid person who who never voted. Uh, But one day I had to confront that because there was an election happening. I didn't agree with who won. And throughout the course of the day, I I came to this realization that perhaps that person wouldn't have won the election if I had cast my vote. And I had to admit to myself, I'd never voted. And then I had to admit, well, why hadn't I ever voted? And so throughout that time was this revelation that I didn't know how to vote. I didn't really know the three branches. I didn't know the process. I, I absolutely had no relationship with my government outside of the painful experience of going to get my driver's license from the DMV, which, wow, if that's democracy in action, no wonder nobody leans in. And so I went out to teach myself in shame because I'm for everyone else who's out there who knows I'm not the only one who is afraid of admitting what they what they do not know. Um, I went out to teach myself And through that process of trying to find a book that would teach me, there wasn't one. I had to learn it on my own. And as I gathered those pieces together, I put them in a binder. And over time, other people started sharing their secret shame as well, that either they didn't vote or they didn't know how to vote or both. And it sort of it grew into a, a movement I never expected to create that went from a book into these seminars, from the seminars, into the creation of this character, Citizen Cupcake, who is a very endearing person people don't feel judged around. That's where the creation of that came from. So it's that long evolution of being someone who is just like everybody else, who is a non-voter. I didn't want to just become a voter, and I didn't want to just become one of the many who's out there pointing their finger at people and saying, you're apathetic if you don't vote, you're un-American. I wanted to be someone who filled the void, which is that we don't feel welcome and wanted in our government. We don't feel like we have a place. And 
I want our relationship with our government to feel like hugging that favorite sweatshirt or that family blanket everybody wraps themselves up into. And that wasn't really available. And so that was my trip of how I got to where I am. And that is why I'm out there doing what I do. 92 million of us being left out. And uh, I don't think it's necessary. See, I think this is amazing. Now, I will be honest with you. I've been voting since I was able to vote, since I was 18. Um, and <laughs> always, man. I've always been involved in the process. And the one thing I noticed is my son, who is now 20 years old, and this is the first election he's going to vote in for a presidential election, I didn't know how to explain it to him. And the reason is, is because when I was in school, they taught us how to do this. Now, this was in the 1980s. Now, in the 2000s, they don't teach civics anymore. And these kids have no understanding about how the process works. And the other thing is you have a lot of adults out there that that see these commercials and see what's on the news, and they believe that there's just one person that is responsible for certain laws to happen, certain money to be spent, and stuff like this, because they don't realize there's a body of people working together to make this stuff work. And again, when you look at it, each candidate is making each other guy look like the boogeyman, and it's trying to be able to, to get information that you're able to extrapolate some type of message that's going to benefit you in the long run. And it, it starts to get so murky. One of the things that uh, I've begun giving more speeches now to groups that are trying to do proper outreach, wondering why people won't lean in, and I've been able to, to start making headway, but uh, what I don't think America understands of regular people is that we're all living under a mountain of stress and strain. Yes. For, forget that social media is just always there and that wages aren't what they should be and opportunity isn't. There's just so much that we're all um, attending to every day. And, and uh, my husband uh, was working with the Sandy Hook Promise Group, and he is a, he's a speaker. And part of his work was to give away his charity time to go out and speak to students about uh, gun violence, uh, suicide, and bullying prevention. Mm -hmm. What he noticed in the schools is that the students are under so much constant pressure, strain, they are exhausted all the time. And every time he would ask the students, if you've got some time to yourself, what would you like to do in your free time? Because he was trying to open them up and have these great big conversations. Almost without exception, these children want to sleep because yeah. they're exhausted. And so when you look at saying, now let me give you one more thing to do. Don't, don't let me give you a reason to love your country and see your place in it. Let me just tell you, you must vote. You must look at a complicated system that most people can't even explain to you, dive in, become a part of it, and somehow assimilate that into your already complicated life, to which the people that I, that I counsel basically say, no thanks, I'm good, I'd rather just be apathetic, it's just, yeah. oh, oh, i got enough going on. <laughs> so, so, do you feel that this has always been this way, that there's always been apathetic voters that said, okay, someone else will do it for me? And they just didn't want to get involved in it? Or is this something new over the last 15 or 20 years? So in my research, what I found is that um, what President Lincoln said so many years ago, that, that idea that you can fool some of the people all the time and all the people some of the time, but not all the people all the time, that, that there is a group of people, a percentage, and I'm not sure I could give it. That's, uh, I'm, I'm not qualified from a poll status to say a percentage, but there's going to be a number of people who, no matter what we do, are going to say, I'm not interested in this process. I'm okay. going to leave that for someone else to handle. Um, but what I have seen mostly, and I, and I want to tell you guys, I've been doing this now, working on this for 12 years, actively doing these seminars for 10, all over the place in small groups. You know, I've done pregnant studios, pregnant women yoga studios. We're on the floor, obviously, for these, these ladies. We're in groups of six and seven up to 25 and block parties where 100 people are flowing throughout the day. Um, I've only ever had one person after seeing me still explicitly say they weren't interested. And that is just thousands of people at this point. So I, I'm going to guess that that number is so much smaller than the fact that we must know how to do proper outreach where people feel welcome. Everyone wants to go to a birthday party, but nobody wants to go take a math test. 
<laughs> That's true. Yeah. When, if I tell you, come on over, we want to talk, and I've got cupcakes, and I want to celebrate you and your country, that is so much more enticing to come in and say, hey, yeah, I don't understand my country. I'd love to learn how it works from someone like me who's not going to judge you. Um, but if you remove judgment from the, from the problem, uh, then you see very few people don't want to be a part of their country. Most people just don't see that they matter. In a country that puts so much on us, why, w- why would they think you matter? If they really thought you mattered, your government would be so much nicer to you. They'd be, they'd be trying to dive in and, and help pull out that dynamic nature, and they'd be reaching for you instead of always oppressing you. And so that, that idea gets in your head that no one cares what you think. You must not be that important. So they just walk away. Whereas when they come through me, I do a really solid job of making sure everyone knows your government needs and deserves you, your, your family, your community, your state, and then wherever you can fit in into your, the, the large country government, you, you, I want you to look at that. See what you know you've got talent. I know you know you've got talent. Find out what that is for you and bring it forth. Know that your country wants you to bring it forth. I used to volunteer for hospice with a dog. And when I was asked to do it, I was so happy to help. Because I thought, oh, okay, my dog's wonderful. She's big dog. You people who are sick and dying, they could squeeze her and hug her. And we made an unbelievable impact. Without, with, it's such an odd thing to think that is a talent for. Then they asked me if I would take my dog to help with the reading program because uh, dogs help children become better readers. And I said, that sounds ridiculous. My dog doesn't have that skill. She's not a teacher. She's a dog. And I really didn't feel like I couldn't see myself there. You cut to me just taking a chance because someone reached out to me and said, could you please just help us out? We need you. Well, okay, if you need me, I'll go. I go and I find out that children increase their reading by 72% when they can practice in quote-unquote reading time to an animal. Mm -hmm. Because reading to a teacher is a test. Reading to a parent they're feeling judged and their siblings are around, whereas reading to a dog is just about the experience. The dog will not judge them. Right. And so for me, it was such a weird experience to say, oh, my gosh, I have a hidden talent. I, I love animals. I like children. I have this time. I was able to help dozens of kids increase their reading exponentially. We all have these things that we are who we are that are wonderful And you just think to yourself, if someone really thought I was important and needed me, they'd tell me. And that's just not true. So coming through my space, getting people, bringing everyone close enough to hug them into their country, it gets people to start thinking, oh, well, maybe I do have something. Maybe I will open my mouth and say something. Maybe I will go out there and tell people what I have and who I am. That starts to get that synergy going within the country. So, so much of what we're missing isn't just about me teaching basic civics because the bridge from where we are to, to becoming this strong country is civics, citizenship, community, and civility. Those things are what make a strong, safe, free country, but we aren't training people on them anymore. We're not sharing them anymore. And the schools have been just pulling it out of the system yes. slowly for years. And now here we are, no critical thinking, no sense of community, no sense of what citizenship looks like, basic civics. I have to be so careful when I use the word because people think, oh, that sounds like government stuff yeah. I don't understand. I say, well, it is, but in 20 minutes, it won't be, I promise. <laughs> what's, so it, it's, it's a lot to cover, what's, not just the easy stuff. What's interesting, and you talk about the schools, one thing I've noticed about the schools is whenever they had everybody take a test – to prove that they could do four basic subjects or three basic subjects, they took out civics because there wasn't enough time to teach it. Or if they taught history or social studies, civics wasn't a part of it because the history portion was more important. But they don't teach how the process works. And that's the sad part. Because we as Americans need to understand how our government works. And for right now, a lot of people that don't understand how it works, they're getting it off of social media. And that is the last place in the world you want to understand how how uh, our government works is through Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. <laughs> Absolutely. 
absolutely. And we spend a lot of time undoing. So every Saturday night, and we've been doing it for about three months now, I have always hosted welcome parties. Yes. Normally I do them live. We were creating them online anyway because there was so much uh, interest across the country. People would come to visit, and I, I would be in Chicago, and then we would head down to Florida. And so the more people we were getting exposure to, it was kind of growing outside of my ability to keep seeing people. So we put them on video, and then I realized right now with with people feeling so disconnected, we needed to start doing them where I was a host as well as playing the videos for people. But what we have learned over the last, say, three months is how very much what you just said, Bill, is that social media is not a place to learn anything. Right. So between having to deconstruct the hate people are experiencing because they think they have to pick a party. They already don't understand the process. They really don't understand parties. You know, for people who are in it and you're political, you think you don't understand parties. But when you look at it as someone who's completely uninvolved, parties are, have nothing to do with the actual constitution and the running of the government. So people who enter it backwards, they are very confused about how are they supposed to pick and what are they supposed to do? And if I don't understand how to be a Democrat or a Republican, and they say, well, ho, ho, first of all, welcome. This is America. It's your country. Glad you could be here. Let's begin the process of the three branches. Let's start with something <laughs> simpler. It, it's they're so upset because because social media is not a place to learn. It's a place to become confused and upset. So those are the two things I spend the most time doing: deconstructing what they have learned on social media, and then dealing with the fallout of people's embarrassment shame fear angst and anger all emotion once we pull all that back now you have a clean slate and and information cupcakes and welcome parties that once we clear the space it's so much easier but you do have to kind of walk that initial path of hold on let's clear the land it's a little too crowded here (laughs) now i did watch your video or your program um this past weekend and in the beginning of the program, before you get started, you actually release the stress of the day. Why do you yes. do that? And explain to my audience you what do. you do. So, so here's what we do, you guys. We, um, we, have, we have welcome parties. So, so whether you vote or not, you deserve to feel what I call comfy in your country. And so when someone tells you, write your congressman, you got to rock the vote, or if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem – all people like me and many people like me are thinking, well, rock the vote, how? And who's a congressman? What is a congressman? So because civics is no longer in schools, which for people who don't know, it's, it's the study of the rights and duties of citizenship government. People are feeling not welcome and not wanted. So the parties are designed to reverse that in a space that is tons of fun and step-by-step and then totally, and I swear to you it's true, judgment free and so we tell everyone to bring snacks and then i do the rest we cover the topics how to register to vote avoid the pitfalls of the polling plates and then how to have a political conversation or stop one without bloodshed but before i can do any of that i know it's funny i guess you but honestly that is the number one thing people go oh i can stop people from yelling at me for no reason (laughs) yes you can so that's why we shake it off the days before we okay. start. People come in and they, they sit down real quick and they're ready to just jump in. And I want you to be present. It's so rare in a day anyone stops and says, let's just be happy and okay in this moment. So we do this big inhale where we inhale everything that is great. And this exhale where we exhale out whatever's bugging you this week. There are so many choices. And we do it twice because the first time you're thinking, what's wrong with this crazy lady? And the second time you're thinking, well, that feels good. <laughs> then once you've done it, bam, we jump in and we go right into the introduction and we start the actual party process. But, but that's why I do it. What I think is interesting, and I'm listening to you and I'm going back to my, because when I uh, worked radio full time, was a talk show host on quite a few radio stations in Western Pennsylvania. And I would do political really? talk. And the interesting thing about it is that the whole idea, and this was in the late 90s, early 2000s, the idea was people would yell each other 
if you didn't agree with them or vice versa. And it became so stressful. And then when I got out of doing political talk, my life became so much calmer um, because (laughs) everybody felt the need then to be right. And the one thing I say to people is, we all have an opinion. It's like having a nose on your face. No one is right. No one's wrong. It may affect you differently, but you have the right to believe whatever you want. And a lot of people don't understand that because they feel the need that everybody has to think in the same mindset that they do. And I think that's one of the reasons why the elections that we've dealt with, especially in the last, say, eight years or even 10 years, everybody picks a team. And everybody, you see the yard signs in the yard and you see so many for this one, so many for this one. And I don't think people understand why they have that sign in their front yard. And I call it the bandwagon effect because they want to be, quote unquote, on the winning team, like on football or baseball. You may not have supported the team for the whole season, but when they make it to the playoffs or the championship game, we have to put our jerseys on, our signs in the yard and everything else. And that's what I'm seeing during the election time that I've never seen before. It's not that anybody understands what's going on. They just think they have to be on the quote-unquote winning team. It is, that is an accurate assessment of certainly, it, it has been true for quite a few years for me. I've watched it build over time. But mostly I experienced that aspect by talking to political people. Over time, and the last four years have been very challenging, and it's, I, I, I try not to, to assign blame, but you want to just unemotionally look at what's happening so we can address it. Democracy really requires that we are all uh, rowing the same boat in the same direction. You can have your own paddle. You can have different kind of boats, but you have, we have to be uh, united we stand. And what I started seeing, uh, especially because I, I, the angst, anxiety of people who have been coming to me, I'm getting emails two, three, four in the morning of uh, particularly women who are who are just, they don't want this much upset in the lives of their children, of their family, uh, depending on their age. The number of teenagers that I'm hearing from, it's just heartbreaking because they, they want to be part of the country, but they just, they don't want to be a part of this. Right. They think adults have really screwed it up, and they think if this is, if being a part of this is to just be, be angry and pick a side and stick to it no matter what, how... So everyone always tells me as a teenager, I could be wrong. It's okay to make a mistake. But now you have to just be something and never change your mind about anything. And yes, that that is something. Of course, that's not true. Policy versus party and ideologies versus strict adherence to what someone else has told you to believe. Some of that's really gone off the rails. And because we don't know how to talk to each other anymore, we actually discuss civil discourse discourse is is how to communicate with other people and civil is to politely have conversation (laughs) it's a skill we don't teach it anymore when you take away critical thinking and you um kids kids today oh i hate that term but but (laughs) truly when the when the smartphone came out it shifted reality so that if i'm sitting with my girlfriends i if i wanted to communicate with them when i was in high school we, we admittedly we had atari at that point in ColecoVision and but but if we wanted to talk okay. to each other, we actually did have to you, speak you, to each other. You just dated yourself. You and I are the same oh, age. Oh, yeah. I, I tell everybody, that, let me just make it easier for you, because when you're over 40 with cupcakes on your head, bells go off. Yeah. Um, uh, yes. But that's why I talk about it, because I'm so fortunate. I was a theater major, which is about when you're on stage and you're bringing, you have to bring forth truth. Yes. The whole point is to entertain people but also to reflect reality so that you can help people uh, grow and change and see themselves inside of it that's the whole point of really great plays that requires that i listen i focus i research and pay attention i'm really engaged when you have been given a cell phone a smartphone yeah. at the age of zero you actually never learn the physical skill of any conversation and now i want you to talk about politics well that's not going to happen can't blame you for that. And and when they do talk about politics, they only talk they talk in talking points because they only yeah. can give you. And this is what I think is interesting. And one of the bad things about Facebook and Twitter is that they see this headline or whatever it is, and they'll talk about it or they'll share it and everything else. And then you read the article or read who it came from, 
And then you go back going, did you actually read this? Or did you just share it because the, um, the headline agreed with the way you feel? And it's very interesting because then they come back yelling at you because you misinterpreted what they were saying. And I'm going, no, I read it. it I don't agree with it or I agree with it and, and vice versa. So it's very interesting that we have done a disservice to our, our young people because, as you said, they've had these devices in their hands since they were so young and they don't know how to communicate face to face. Everything they do is passive aggressive because they don't have to deal with the emotion. All they have to deal with is the text and the uh, and the spoken word in some cases, and they don't have to deal with the uh, the confrontation with someone else. That's that's correct. And when people will wander in to the uh, seminar, especially at the whenever I do them at libraries, because a lot of times students are there either doing other work or they tend to, it's a local meeting place, so if their parents have to work, they go there after school and spend some time so that they don't have to be home alone. So they would wander into my, my uh, seminars as something to do, but uh, because I'm, I'm very open and uh, I don't mind being foolish, I don't mind being the silliest person in the room, and I don't mind being honest. I love my country, and I love almost every single person in it. I like to leave a small variant in case there's someone who truly is awful, but, but mostly <laughs> wide open to, to loving to everyone and being giving that safety to people, especially students, and letting them know, you really can't make a mistake in front of me because this is judgment-free. Mm-hmm. They've begun admitting that that's a, it's a failure. It's a, it's a, it upsets them that they don't have that skill, that when they want to, to talk, they don't feel like people listen because they don't know how to communicate their own, one is thoughts, but two is emotion. And so most of what they do is emotion for themselves, but emotion free when they listen to somebody talk to them. And so it's really unfair that what we've given these these children who are becoming grown adults and are, are not being given these opportunities to have deep, meaningful conversations because understanding, I might not agree with your policy, but understanding what got you there, that's going to help me understand how, how to move forward. Policies are about how we all want to be together in our communities, our states, and within our country. And understanding where people come from, that really is a game changer to to being able to move forward versus I'm entrenched in my thought and you're entrenched in yours. And all we do is what you mentioned, Bill, we talking point our way through these interviews and especially cable news. I think mm-hmm. that they are quite uh, bad. I, I don't want to be criticizing in that way, but, but truly everyone comes on to hit their talking points and it feels like, well, you're there for a paycheck, but I've given you my attention because this is important to me. And they miss, they miss those moments. And every now and then, somebody will say something that cuts right through. And people say, oh, well, now that's a human side. I hadn't thought of that. I wasn't aware of that. And the next thing you know, you, you start to have meaningful conversations. So it's, it, when I talk about the basics, people say, oh, you teach civics. It's actually, no. I'm like, if you ever played Monopoly, when you start at the very beginning, you collect Go. You pass Go and you collect $200. That's, that's where I am. I'm just the bridge to start the game. All I want to do is make sure you have the tools to, to join up. After I give you the basics, there's so much that happens within the government system, within trying to join your country as a whole. I only give you the tools so that when it starts to get bad, you don't run away anymore. People talk and they get angry, and the politics are so upsetting. And even right now, there's so much happening with, uh, of course, the, the virus and how contentious the election is. And the more pressure you put on my people, my 92 million who were just like me, the more they lean back. Mm-hmm. My goal is to get you to lean forward. So if you lean forward enough and I get to hug you into your country and give you all these basics so you feel like, hey, now I can get involved in my own way, on my own terms, step into that arena and begin and never have to feel less than, never having to worry that someone's going to say, oh, you're not, you didn't vote, you terrible person. Oh, you don't know the three branches? How dare, where, where you're going to be impervious to that kind of behavior because I have given you everything you need to not have to let those people affect you, but to keep your eye on the prize, the goal, which is, of course, in my opinion, 
that to be that shining city on a hill, that's America. To show your dynamic inside, I call it dynamicism. Everyone's got this incredible ability inside of them. And we are wasting this resource every day that we make people feel unwanted. And the moment people lean in, I have had people decide to run for uh, local offices. We had my favorite thing ever was a nine-year-old boy who got a pothole fixed for his mother. (laughs) Anybody can do anything they want. He told me, you said anyone can do anything, but I'm only nine years old. I said, well, sir, what do you want to do? And he looked at me like he was shocked anyone cared. And he said, well, I want to fix a pothole. Can I do that? (laughs) What pothole? He told this short story. His mother drives to work to school every day. She hits the pothole every day because there's no way around it. It gets bigger and bigger. And now she started to swear. And we just don't do that in our house. (laughs) This was the story. And his mother was with him. She had actually come in to see the event. He joined her. So it wasn't even, of course it's for him, but he, he wasn't, he didn't come in on his own. Right. I showed him, said, well, here, showed his mother and he how to call public works, what to tell them, what to ask, what they were going to ask of them. And uh, about six weeks later, I got a phone call from his mom and then he jumped on. He was elated. I got a pothole fix. It works. It really works. I can be part of my country. That is awesome. <laughs> that really so, is. It's all doable. You're listening to Online with Bill Alexander on WMCK.FM McKeesport, 107.5 FM WLDJ Newcastle, 1620 AM Huntington Community Radio Huntington, Mixtape Radio International, um, Awakens.EU, Steel FM, WWSX Radio 99.1 FM Radio Rehoboth, Orca Radio in Owensburg, Kentucky, Parkway 106, Pittsburgh, PA, and streaming online here in Brownsville, Pennsylvania at iTalkNet. Now, one thing I was taught, uh, Lisa, when I was younger, and and I still believe this this day, that I vote my vocation and I lobby my hobby. And the reason I say that is a lot of people are are one-issue voters, and they only look at the one topic that is going to affect them in the short term, and they don't understand what will affect them in the long term. And people, I've seen people basically vote against their own interest just because they wanted to be able to do things in the short term. And they don't realize that. How do you educate someone to look at the big picture and not just at the, uh, at the immediate um, gratification? Well, we, we don't touch on it. I, I, I do in other events that I do online where we have different... Um, I get called on just different radio shows. Okay. There is a David Blake Presents every week. I get to talk more about it. But uh, the when I talk about it, when it comes up, we go over this idea. It's called your ideology. So for anyone who doesn't know what that is, it's a framework of basic principles, a set of ideals that constitutes your goals, your expectations, uh, and your actions. So you want to think of that as your comprehensive vision and your way of looking at things. A lot of people don't know what that is. For themselves, that, that you do know it, because when someone tramples over your ideology, you know it because you're frustrated or mad or bothered, but you never took the time to write it down. And then that's okay, because nobody ever told you that you should. I, I never did. But we begin in, in the time that I spend with people discussing your ideology so that you can start to understand who you are and all the things that make up you. So that when you have that idea that someone wants to be a single-issue voter, and I always bring up something big because it's, it's easier and faster, gun control, abortion. These are giant things that bring up an instant feeling inside of everyone, yes. whether you're a pro, whether you're against. You, you can't move past it. So I say, okay, now that you've got that feeling inside, whether you are fiercely against or fiercely for something, now I want you to write down all the reasons why. Because as you start to write that down, you start to untangle it from just this, this, um, this stuckness in your head where I only do X because X. And you start to say, well, well, I feel that way because of all of these other things. And so let's just say it's about being, if you're pro-life, you say, well, because I believe that uh, all children should be born and all children have the right to this. But as you start to write it, you might start to say, oh, wow. 
I, I also believe in food programs for children and the SNAP program uh, being well-funded because th- those children who, who are here and were born, I want to see that they've got hot food and that their parents get the help they need. So the more we kind of we take the, the one single issue you might have started on, the longer I can get people to extrapolate it, the more they can see, oh, there's more than one way to support that issue yes. because that issue is part of a greater thought. So it, it, uh, it, you can't always move someone off of one thing because for some people that really is all of it. But I've had a lot of success helping people see it through that way because once you've done that, you, you really can start to say, oh, okay, so even though that guy might be, I, I'm pro-life, uh, but that guy, he's not, but it's not an issue anyone's voting on right now. However, he wants to improve the SNAP program, which for people who don't know, if you don't have money, different states have different names. That's the program that helps people who need to go on food stamps. Mm-hmm. If you are a single mother and you need that help, taking those programs away is devastating. Overly funding those programs for parents, single parents, moms and dads. I shouldn't just be moms. I know plenty of single fathers. Um, but that is actually helping the very people my ideology wants to help. So that's something to consider. It's the only thing I've ever seen that works. But, I, but I'll be honest with you, as much as that has worked, there are some people that just, they just can't move off of certain things. And, and that's okay. Once we've tried, then some people, that's just uh, who they are. Well, the one thing, and I can, I can relate to this because I know people that feel that government handouts are wrong and that they shouldn't be giving our money to other people. And then I turn around going, but wait a minute. Didn't you and your organization just receive a government grant? And they just look at me and I said, explain to me the difference between the two. You just got money for something you believe in, but you can't give money to some, for, for something else that someone else believes in. So how are you right and they're wrong? And then they just look at me and walk away. And that's, usually it's challenging. And, that, and that's hard for me because uh, I, I don't have the luxury of dropping bombs and having people get angry. I have well, to I do. do my best. Yes, I, I envy you just a little bit. Because my first my first goal, if I do nothing else, you will come into my space and you will leave it going. Hey, she listens when I right. talk. Hey, she doesn't get angry. She doesn't judge me, and that's true. You guys, just it, it, it's how I really feel. Doesn't mean that sometimes I don't sit at home going, "Whoa, this is so frustrating." We're all human. It's just that my number one goal is I want everyone to come in and feel that level of comfort because I know that the more we talk, the, the more forward we can go. So what I've noticed is when you give huge bailouts to large companies on Wall Street, they they call it something else. Yes. But when they give money to individual people, then it's considered a handout. That's a that's part of an ideology that really Congress has pushed quite a bit because they get a lot of money. Uh and I'm talking about representatives and senators uh, I don't know a lot about the state level, so I'm sure it happens there frequently, but I stick to the national level where, where I have seen it myself. Uh, they give them different names because the people who help them get reelected, who give them money, who for whom congressmen and senators give their um, attention to help them pass what they want, so they give them better names so that those handouts are not called handouts. Simultaneously, they want people. If you default on a business loan, no one says a word. Donald Trump is the president of the United States. He's defaulted on so many business loans, and he himself and then other people supported him. Hey, that makes me smart. It's just a business loan. But if you declare bankruptcy, you're ostracized. Yes. You actually, there are certain government offices you can't hold just working within government because you had to declare bankruptcy. They're exactly the same thing, except usually the amount of money you might declare for bankruptcy is one one hundredth of the kind of money we're talking about for well, businesses. But they they change those those stigmas. So I try and help people to understand you you need to look at it as what it is, not what people tell you it is, but what it is. But but you're right; that does happen a lot. And, and you, when you mention that, one more thing I'll mention also is you talk about the student loan programs that we have in this country. The kids default on those, and that travels with them for the rest of their lives because they become a credit and risk. Keep you from getting a house, right? It's everything. It's 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 shameful to create something that way. That we first create debtors under the guise of there are wonderful jobs for you, and there aren't. 
and then we'll give you this money, but then the payback period, it is not actually feasible with the schedule of how that actually works. And I've been seeing that more and more students that come in, that that's, uh, that's been a bigger and bigger problem where it's actually better for them to just read 25 books on what they want to become an expert in while working at a local Starbucks. You might not make a lot, but if you're living at home, it's pure profit as opposed to putting out $50,000 yes. a year to go somewhere only to become someone who's terribly in debt and also not getting the, the response you should be getting from the education you invested in. It's, uh, and, and talking about those things that people say, well, how does, how does government matter to me? So, ooh, let's sit down and talk about those student loans and when, who's enforcing them and who's there to help you get it fixed. That comes directly from your congressmen, your congresswomen, your senators, and that's government. So helping people relate their issues to the government starts to give people a reason other than just it's your civic duty to to get to get more involved if that makes sense so this past um this past period of time over say two three years have you noticed more people wanting to get involved because they're not happy with the situation out there or are they just being more apathetic no i've had a lot more people what i've had now is uh Things have not gone well. So whatever side someone might be on, I think it's easy to say things are not going well right now for for the country. So however you feel about it, um, it's an angsty, upsetting time. And so more and more people, you know, I, I'm from the Midwest, I currently am in Florida, but I, I hail from Chicago. And just over the border is Wisconsin. Mm. go there all the time yeah. for really, really great <laughs> Good corn, apple fritters, you name it, they, they do a good job. So something like 1,600 individual farmers, regular people, not factory farmers, went bankrupt this year because after two and a half years of the trade wars and whatnot, they couldn't hold on and, and they're gone. That's really upsetting to their children, to their friends, to, to the communities. And those kinds of small things, not that bankruptcy is small, but but to the whole country, uh, you probably have, didn't even hear that being reported. Uh, people are starting to say, well, hang on. I, why did that happen? How could I have stopped it? What could I have done? And those people have begun to call me on the phone and reach out and ask about our parties and, and how do we start getting involved. So it spurred people. I wish it was spurring them because it's exciting time to be part of our government. Unfortunately, it's because things are things we didn't know happened through our government are just starting to break, just just fracture when you didn't know that that's, that that could happen and that has brought people to my door. Now, I'm happy however they come. I'm not happy that things aren't going well, right. but the more people uh, if we want to see it stop breaking, a lot of broken systems right now, we need to flood our system with more People who are not there because they're politicians and not there because that's just what they do, but, but they are engaged citizens who can't wait to be a part of making sure that we are strong and safe and free. So I take people however I can get them, but yes, that, that has come my way the last two years. Now, do you notice a more, and, and I don't know how to say this because these people really are not quote-unquote part of the system, but do you see more of one one? Uh, one group identifying more with one, say, party than the other right now, or are they just totally uncommitted that they don't know where they are? Most people who come to my groups or to me in general, they are freaked out by parties. Okay, A lot of the party thing makes them feel, um, I, I hate to say Hitler, you guys, because I, I know Hitler comes with so many specific, but a lot of people will quip that to me. You have to pick one side or the other, and then you have to Heil Hitler, uh, which, again, no, no disrespect meant. That is just the response that I get. And they don't like how it feels. They don't like that feeling that you you must be exactly what you're told. Somebody used the funny, um, the genie from Aladdin when he gets taken by, uh, what's his name, Jafar. Yes. And Jafar rubs the lamp. Okay, so he was good. But because Jafar picked up the lamp, now he's bad. And he, he felt terrible about it, but that's his allegiance. He stuck. And so somebody made that comparison to say, I, I don't want to pick a party where 
just based on whoever picks up my lamp. Now, whatever they tell me, I have to think <laughs> right. that way and do that way. I thought that was a very well said. <laughs> that was actually very good. That's deep. So, um, yeah, I, I, I can see. So mostly wh- people leave and go ahead. I can, I can see where they come off that way because, again, you're afraid that if you do commit to one, you're committing to the wrong one. And people don't understand, at least in my under in my uh, travels, is that you can be one party. You don't have to agree with everything that party has or says, and you can vote for whoever you want. Do people feel that if they're they're red or blue, they have to vote for everybody that's red or everybody that's blue? Do they understand they can pick and choose? The people that come to me are typically they have either never voted before or they maybe have some experience having seen a ballot, but mostly they're so paranoid of the even the process that we have whole moments where we just show people, here's a sample ballot, here's how to compare and contrast so that you get a feel. And I preach to everybody, I preach being independent until you really are comfortable just be an American. So over time, you're going to start to feel you might have a pull left, right. But but for now, stay here, stay in the civics world and be independent until you get to that point. And still, so many people are, I, I don't want to say remedial, they're just, we have so much land to clear before this is open for people that between removing the angst or the upset or the anger, and then removing all of the uh, lies and, and baloney. Um, there's a, a phrase out there now, I've heard it the other day, uh, I forget the one about red, but there, the one for blue is vote blue no matter who. And it's a terrific, quippy thing to put out there if you're trying to get your side seen. But for people who've never voted before or who are unlikely voters, they they see that as an edict. They feel that they that if they're in that party, that would be their job, that they mm-hmm. couldn't go through and say, oh, but I like that guy. Oh, too bad. He's the wrong color. And so a lot of that stuff just, it, it tends to create distance. Over time, the longer people hang out here with me, if they read the book, if they do some seminars, the more you do that, then that starts to fall away. But um, I think maybe you've seen it in the last two years, that the more contentious this has become, people who are blue and red are really hanging on so tightly this year. I always tell people, let me show you the platform so you can see for yourself what the Republican platform looks like. That's what they stand for. And then what the uh, Democratic platform stands for. So when we're getting ready for the conventions, that's what I do. And this year, the Republicans don't have a platform. Yes. They literally voted to have no platform. And I, Which is now I was at a loss. Yeah. I couldn't help people. They said, well, so then how do I know what they stand for? I said, I have to be honest with you. I am not qualified to answer that question. I reached out. I I asked. I called. All I was told is that the platform they voted on is the platform they're following, and the platform is not to have one. So that's created distance all the way around. It's not like it makes people go more blue or more red. It just creates distance between the 92 million unlikely voters and the process because they don't get why anyone would do that <laughs> it well, just it doesn't make them think badly about red it makes them think oh i don't need to be involved in civics i'm good well i will say this which i have not uh said this <laughs> at all but i actually changed my party affiliation this year to independent from being with one of the major ones because i was so tired of what was going on and it's like i'm making up my own mind you're not doing it for me Now, the bad part of that is now I'm getting more campaign literature from the left and the right that is just, I mean, if we would just save the money on postage, we could, we could end world hunger in my opinion. But, but I did because I felt to me, to me, not to be beholding to anybody, I had to make that change. The only problem in my state that I'm in, I can't vote in the primary because independents aren't allowed to vote. And it's like... Oh, wait a minute. This isn't right. But I can vote in the general election. I just can't vote in the primary. 
which I and think that's is, where some of the trouble comes in. People, yeah. I, I'm an independent, but in Florida, independent, even though there is no party, is a party. So you have no one to talk to. There's no actual party, but that's how it works here. So in order to vote in a primary, you have to pick yes. and you know, re-register and then unregister. Well, that is w- upper level. For, for my people, uh, we, we want to get registered period. We just want to get registered. So you're, you're in. And so, uh, and in fact, a lot of people don't know the difference. Uh, it's like, this is a, a giant problem that I love to fix within the confines of the welcome party. People don't know the difference between uh, caucuses and primaries, primaries and midterms and midterms and general elections. That is upper level to people who have had no civics training. And so we go through that and we break it down. But the general election is the only one most people can kind of pick out of the hat. Yeah. I think that's when we all vote for the president. Right. But and the, after that, they're. Um, what's interesting is, and, and you make a valid point, there's actually elections every year. It's just that they may not, they're for your local and state representation. They're not for federal in some cases. And people don't understand that, which I think is very interesting because when I came out of high school, I didn't realize that. And it's like, do I have to vote again? I mean, didn't I just do this? But they don't understand <laughs> how the system works. I mean, school boards, um, tax collector, garbage man, dog catcher, whatever it is, those elections are usually done in off years. And in some cases, you have no one going to the polls for them. The only time you see anybody going to the polls is during a presidential or maybe a midterm, midterm election for senators and representatives. So Yes, and it makes you wonder why. As one of the pieces I proposed, we, we started getting some sponsors interested, and obviously with COVID, a lot of that has shifted. But one of the programs we came up with was uh, similar to growing up. Uh, they still have them now, the, the Crest program for dentists, where they come into the school, yes. second and third grade, teach you how to brush teeth. And then the firefighters and the, the stranger danger police, they come in and they teach children fire safety because mm-hmm. We, fire safety is, is just crucial in the country. And so creating a program like that where we come in and we get children started right away in basic civics, it, it's not just crucial, it's so easy. Oh, I have relatives in Norway, so they are fully Norwegian. And they flew out there, and my cousin, who was 12 at the time, came running home from school. We'd never met him in person, only on the Internet, and he couldn't wait to sit and talk to us because, and this is years ago, so it wasn't this current presidency, he had problems with our president, and he wanted to ask us in English uh, his questions about how our government was not functioning, which means at 12 years old, this Norwegian child could speak to me in English about my political system and the news of the day happening out of America. And the saddest part was at the time, this is before I was studying. So my two sisters and myself, we actually sat there like, the biggest idiots we'd ever met because we could not we didn't know what he was talking we knew that we knew who the president was right but we didn't know he had very conscientious questions and wow we actually had to sit and look some stuff up so we could talk the next day we're missing that with our students today so when you're in kindergarten we got to be grabbing you by the hand getting you excited about your country uh when i grew up there was schoolhouse rocks yes now no one knows who bill is Getting, bringing a lot of that back in and making it that fun dynamic means we're going to hardwire our students so that this can stop happening, so that the second they graduate, they do know that every Tuesday someone's voting for something yeah. and that it's their, not just their job, but their joy to be able to go out and, and take that vote. It is, it is amazing to me how, our, how immigrants that come to this country for, citiz- for citizenship know more about our government than we do. Well, that's why I offer something called 60-Second Civics, and we're 25 videos in. We'll have more. There's going to be 100 full, but we had to stop because it was getting insane with this current election year. Uh, 60-Second Civics, you guys, uh, my website, uh, everyone always tells you, go to the website. Just go to my website. And when you get to the website, it's complicated. It's confusing. It's not helpful. Uh, I put a lot of love and time and insanity into making a very easy navigating website for you. You go to that website on the front page and every page, you can click on watch 60 second civics. Whenever you've got time, these are short videos. They're about two minutes. 
we have broken down the 100 questions that they ask every immigrant on the citizenship test. You'll get asked 10 of a possible 100. So we broke all of them down, made them into far more interesting, far less dry, more fun two-minute videos that teach you the lesson and give you a little bit more. So over the course of 100 days, you watch one video today. If you've got children, you watch it during bath time. If you're a student, then you watch it when you need a break. And over 100 days, you can learn everything that an immigrant knows. There's no reason that immigrants should come to our country and get a better education on how this country functions. And then when they graduate, they get a party. They get a whole ceremony. So we start with a party. Right. That's why we do the welcome party. We start with that party, and once you're in, we kind of go backwards to how the uh, immigrants do it. God bless them. I want everyone here. But, but we should know what they know so we're all on the same page. And 60-second civics, two minutes a day, will get you there, and you'll, you'll love your country. You won't just be able to pass a test on it. So, Lisa, I got bad news. We're almost done, and I haven't even scratched the surface with what I want to ask you about your program. But before I let you leave, can you give me a brief um, rundown about the book and the website and how people can find you? Yes. So for anyone who wants to track me down, and and thank you, Bill, uh, we're at methepeoplevote.com, and it's Amazon Mother. And my tagline is, if it's about me, it's about you. And if it's about you, it's about me, the people. Everything we do is about how we take care of each other. And so you go to my website, methepeoplevote.com, and we put everything together so that you don't – it's always a one-stop shop. If you want to ask a question, we have a contact us page, and it goes to everyone. But, but if you have a question for me directly, trust me. Nobody, nobody minds making sure that I get that email, and I never mind making a phone call or, or emailing you back. I just I – just, love all of us coming together getting on the same page but also on that page is our um social media i put out very little that's anything but informational but we have a youtube channel you go on the home page there's a video click on the video instantly welcomes you tells you what we've got tells you how it works tells you what we want to do for you right underneath that is the um youtube button if you hit that button, all of our videos are placed on there, all the information you'd ever want. If you're interested, we have a welcome party. I throw them live. These are the 38-minute program. It's six short videos. If you want to throw one on your own, walks you through the whole process on the welcome party page. We've got uh, notes on how to throw the cyber party, which shows you how to set up if you want to do it through YouTube or excuse me, through Zoom or through Facebook. We've got the... Um, itinerary, uh, places to order stuff if you want to get pocket constitution guides, all that info. Uh, And we'd love to help you set that up. If you have any questions, reach out. And then lastly is my book. It helps you decide on and then vote for the next president of the United States. The, The whole goal of that book is to make you feel welcome and wanted in your country and to know that somebody's got your back who is not going to judge you. The book is funny and silly and extremely helpful if you feel like you don't know enough and you are tired of the anger and the negativity you will love this book because i wrote it for you the way i wish someone had written it for me again i think what you're doing is fantastic i would love to have you back on the program before the inauguration whoever that president may be um, to talk about that, because I think that's a whole process in itself that people don't understand. And one other question real quick. What do you think about the big push for mail-in voting right now? I think that the Department of Homeland Security told us that it is safe. There's nothing out there telling you that nothing, no de- demonstrable evidence that there's anything wrong with it. We've been mail-in voting since 19, excuse me, 1864 during the Civil War. I personally think, having had people in my family who have passed from the COVID virus, my want would be for you to stay safe for you and your families. If you don't feel safe about it, go vote in person. If you don't feel safe about putting it back in the mail, you can drive, and depending on your state, you guys, I know it's hard, you can drive to that supervisor of election. And if you want to learn how to find your supervisor of election, come to our party next Saturday night at 7 o'clock. Every week we show you how to get in contact 
with the people who help you vote in your county so you'll never be left behind. Lisa, thank you very much. Again, I'd love to have you back in the program so we can talk more. This was very informative, not only for the audience, but also for me. And it's great what you guys are doing out there with Me the People Vote. I think it's awesome that you're able to do it and you're taking so much time. So you have a great night and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you. Bye-bye. Please bring me back. I'd love to. Good night, guys. Good night. This has been a Million Dollar Baby production. For more information, go to italknet.com. How did we become Central Ohio's most trusted team of orthopedic experts? We focus on what matters most, our patients. At Orthopedic One, we know we're only at our best when we're helping you get better. And every day, your commitment to overcoming pain and injury inspires and moves us. That's why we bring our best every day to earn your trust. Find a physician near you at orthopedicone.com. If you've ever been a renter, you know it's stressful to find a place with everything you love and nothing you don't. But did you know Zillow does rentals? It makes the search so easy. They have filters for pretty much everything, so you can find that place that's in your budget, but also isn't a shoebox. Or a place that's close to your parents, but far enough they have to call first. Plus, it's easy to apply, request tours, and pay rent in the app. Head to ZillowRentals.com and find your sweet spot. Hear that? That's the sound of a patient whose health data is protected from a cyber attack. And that... That's the sound of a financial system that's digitally secured from bad actors. Right now, there's an invisible war being fought on a digital battlefield that impacts what we do every day. That's why at Paraton, we do the can't be done to help protect the vital systems we rely on. Because if we don't, the alternative is unimaginable. Paraton.